Now I want to talk to you this morning about my Saviour, Jesus Christ, and to draw your attention to this familiar passage from Isaiah chapter 9 and uh, verse 5. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And those of you who had the privilege of hearing the Messiah sung over the Christmas period will know how challenging and stirring these words are. Um, he tells us, first of all, two things about Jesus Christ. He says he is a child who is born. He's a baby who is born. And that is his humanity. And then he tells us he is a son who is given. And that's his divinity. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now I might have told you this illustration. It's an illustration I love. and It's an illustration I made up. Two men go to the maternity ward of a hospital and they look through the great big glass window at the cribs. There are two cribs there where both their boys, newly born boys, are. And the one turns to the other and he says, my son is 97% human. And the other man says, my son is 98% human. Well, of course, that never happens, does it? It never happens because every boy and girl is 100% human because their father who begot them is 100% human. God has a son. God is 100% divine. And God's son is everything that his father is. He's 100% divine. He is uh, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. God the son so he came into the world through the womb of his mother where he developed all of embryonic development he as you know at a certain stage uh, uh, the limbs appear and then the head and then um, he sucks his thumb and then he comes through the birth canal in, into the world this is our saviour Jesus Christ he's uh, he remembers, the psalmist says, that we are dust because he himself has been dust. He knows what it's like. When he was uh, a teenager, I suppose, he lost his father. There's no mention of Joseph in the Gospels at all. And he loved his father dearly. His father was a wonderful man. And uh, he had to run the business himself then, didn't he? Until he was 30 when he began the real vocation of his life. And he lived in a home where there were half-brothers and sisters. He slept in a room with his brothers and ate around the table and they talked. And so he knows all about family life. And he knows all about what it's like to be a... Uh, a man in a groaning world, a world where sin has entered and death reigns. He is God's holy child, Jesus, because although he was confronted with temptations, uh, he never 
at the end of every day as we have to say at the end of every day I'm sorry Lord I'm sorry forgive me for my sins of today he never had to say that because he was holy harmless undefiled separate from sinners higher than the heavens this Jesus Christ and yet he wasn't a goody-goody was he wasn't a nicey-nicey kind of man a, a two-dimensional he was someone who uh, got hungry and got thirsty and he cried and he slept and he spat <laughs> all the things that we do he did as a, as a man and yet without sin so here is this one um, a child born a baby growing into manhood a son God's own son given for us but what does he do well we're given four descriptions of what the Lord Jesus Christ did here in uh, in this passage um, and the first one is that he is a wonderful counselor you you need counsel don't you there are times in your life when you need advice you've got somebody in the family I have a brother-in-law and oh, I've never heard him say an unworthy word or do an unworthy action and uh, I go to him with problems. He's not a member of, uh, of our church and so I, I give to him my concerns and he gives me his counsel. And sometimes he's wrong, but Jesus is never wrong because he knows us. He knows us through and, and through um, you you need counsel you've got to make some decisions in your life now if you're in school what subject shall I take for GCSE or A level what university will I go to will, will I not go to university I'll have a job what, what job will I get and then uh, there's somebody and she's got curly hair and uh, a sweet smile and you really like to be with her and you're thinking well should, should I make this more serious and I'm asking the Lord to help me and to guide me in, in these I need counsel about marriage and about raising my children you don't want to be alone as you face the future as you think of a job and middle age and retirement and illness and death you want a counsellor, don't you? To help you at every stage. New, different problems come into your life. And uh, the scriptures are full of counsel, aren't they? Um, in Eden, God comes to Adam and he talks with him and he helps him. And how, what did you do today? And Adam told God what he did and God will explain things further to him. He will learn from God and here is the Lord Jesus Christ and he is in that whole tradition of prophets that God sent into the world starting with Moses and then with uh, Samuel and Elijah and Elisha and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and all these prophets spoke to men but finally God himself came 
in his son, Jesus Christ, and he built on what had been said before, these words, for example, that I've read in your hearing today. And then he speaks through his apostles that are given authority. And they, Luke says how he thought and discussed and asked questions, and he wrote his gospel and his acts. And all the other apostles did the same. Paul with his writings, Peter and John with their writings. We have wonderful counsel in the word of God. That's why our worship is, uh, is very plain and simple. At the beginning we, we sing his praise. We speak to him. And then we open the book and find the place like he did in the synagogue of Nazareth on the Sabbath day. And he speaks to us. And he says, now believe this and do this and trust in Christ. And he says that week by week. And we come here hungry. We come here aware how little we know and how much we need to know. And we meet with someone who is the wonderful counselor. And the counselor is here. And he's uh, with you all. And he's nudging you. And he's opening your mind. A counsellor. You know, there are wonderful examples of his counselling, aren't there? In John chapter 3, he meets a man called Nicodemus, who comes to him at night, I suppose. He, he, he didn't want his fellow Pharisees to know that he was making the initiative in going to visit Jesus Christ. And he says to Jesus, well, we know you're from God. We, we know that. No one could do the things, no one could say the things that you do and say unless God is with him, unless God is helping him and guiding him. You heal every kind of sickness. The last stages of incurable disease, you heal them. You deliver people from the devil, you're more powerful than the devil. When you speak, the winds and waves obey you and you raised Lazarus from the dead. We know you're from God. But who are you? Who is Jesus? Is he a brave uh, reforming prophet? Who, like many other reforming prophets, failed and was killed? Is that all that you are? Are you a healer? Is that what you are? Are you a religious teacher? Is that what you are? And you know how Jesus says to him, unless, Nicodemus, you are born again, you'll never understand who I am. Unless you are enlightened by the Holy Spirit. Unless you are made a new creation. Unless everything becomes new to you. Unless the light shines in the darkness of your heart and mind, you won't know. Unless a man be born again, he can't see. He can just see what you see. You know, this great teaching and this remarkable man. But Jesus is more than that. He is Jehovah Jesus. He's come in the flesh to seek us. So that's why he comes here today. And that's why he's brought you here. Because he's here to teach you. He loves you so much, he's brought you here for this person. And then there, there was another great incident, um, and um, this time 
it's in uh, Luke's uh, gospel and um, it's Luke chapter 7 and it's uh, verse 22. Luke is telling us about what happened with John the Baptist. That uh, John the Baptist had announced that the king was was coming and the king had come Jesus had come the kingdom of God was here he said and he preached so you better repent and let the rough places be made plain and the mountains be brought low and I'm preparing a way for his ministry behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world he said I must decrease now and my mission's over he must increase that's what he said and yet what happened well Herod arrests him and throws him into prison and he has an axe hanging over his head and he can't understand it if the king has come and the kingdom is here in Jesus Christ why why are the Pharisees still in charge why is Herod so merciless and hateful and so he sends two of his disciples who visit him in prison Go and ask Jesus, are you he that should come, or do we look for another? And, you know, Jesus doesn't say to him, oh, come on now, come on, John, tell your master now, come on, of course I'm the one. He doesn't rebuke him at all. What uh, Jesus says in, in verse 22, go, and tell John the things you have seen and heard. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he who is not offended by, by me, because of me. Another Jesus? Do we look for another Jesus? Who, who are the heroes of the 20th century you look back on? The spokesmen, the media people, the writers? Would you make any of them... Your role model, the Hollywood men, the winners of the World Cup, the gold medalists, many deeply flawed. But here is our Lord Jesus Christ, what he has done, raising the dead and preaching the Sermon on the Mount. When he was set, his disciples came unto him and he opened his mouth and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. William Shakespeare never wrote anything as wonderful as that. This is Jesus, and uh, with his might he shows wisdom and truth. 
and by his life he shows humility. He's the one who washes the feet of his disciples. He's the one who, after they nail him to a cross, prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Another Jesus? You're going to turn from my Savior? And, and who will you have? Who have you got? What search are you going? Are you going to climb the Himalayas and find a, a man in a cave? And you're going to find another Jesus there? Or go to the South Sea Islands and find in the midst of the Pacific a man who lives by himself on an island? And you're going to find words of eternal life and forgiveness and beauty in him. Jesus, the wonderful counsellor. Or again, you find it in the woman of Samaria. And you know that in John chapter 4. What a wonderful section. How Jesus counsels her. He asks her for water. He, he's thirsty. And he puts himself in her debt. So she gives him something. He, he owes her something. And then he begins to speak to her. Verse 10. If you knew the gift of God. Do you know the gift of God? If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says you give me a drink. You would have asked him and he would have given you living water. That's what Jesus would have given you. Last year, in the camp, in the conference, when your heart was stirred by a preacher speaking to you, and you didn't ask, you didn't say, ah, oh, give me living water. Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well, and drank for it himself, as well as his sons, and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come here. I don't have a husband. You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke true, what a poor one. A husband died, another husband died, another husband left her, another husband died. What a, a, a heap of tragedy this woman has known. This wonderful counsellor is a grief counsellor. He can help you. He can comfort you. He can help you survive multiple tragedies. The woman said to him, So I perceive that you are a prophet, our prophets. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. 
You worship what you don't know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Women say, well I know the Messiah is coming. When he comes he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to thee am he. That is the testimony of the Christian church. That is the testimony of the Christian pulpit and of every mere believer in Jesus. Jesus is the anointed one of God into the world. This wonderful counsellor. Well, my friends, that's the first uh, category. Who is this Jesus? Well, he's a, a counsellor that takes your breath away. That's what it is. He's a counsellor who gives you goosebumps. He's a counsellor who makes you full of wonder. How is it that you know me so well? How is it when I come to church, then the preacher seems to know me and he, he's talking to me? How is it that there are these people around me and they seem to have something I don't have? And he's just nudging me and telling me, you know, you can have this too. And he knows me. He is a counsellor that makes us full of wonder. And then secondly, he's a mighty God. You know, the first commandment in the Old Testament... Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Alright? Just one God. There's only one God. And yet here in the depths of the Old Testament, this child is born, this son is given, and his name is the Mighty God. And there are Worldlings who say, ah, we, we made too much fuss of, of Jesus. He was just a, a really good man, a kind man, a teacher. But a teacher, a kind man, a good man wouldn't say what he said. I and my father are one. He testified to his own identity as divine. John's Gospel begins... In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made <coughs> that was made. This Jesus, he is the mighty, <coughs> the mighty God. So um, he plants his footsteps in the sea. He rides upon the storm. He goes to dead Lazarus's resting place. Three days, four days he's laying there and he speaks. Lazarus come forth and the dead live. So death isn't then annihilation. We're not all going to be liquidated, annihilated. We're going to enjoy eternal life in a new heavens and a new earth if Jesus is our Lord 
and Saviour. These are not fairy tales then. The third day he rises from the dead. He promises he'll come and keep us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. Uh, today there's a congregation in New Zealand as some of you might know. There's a congregation in the Ukraine that some of you pray for. There's a congregation then in Saudi Arabia meeting secretly and you pray for them and Jesus is there. He is omnipresent and personal and he's there to encourage and strengthen. He goes to a prison cell where a woman is in solitary confinement because she confesses and he's there with her and he keeps her sane. This Saviour of mine is the mighty God. And so he can say, you, you come to me and it has all the authority all the drawing power, all the irresistible grace that says, uh, you come, you come to me. And he draws us to himself. And you say, I'll come, nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked come to thee for dress, helpless look to thee for grace. Foul I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Saviour, or I die. So he is the mighty God. And uh, thirdly, he is the everlasting Father. Now, uh, <clears throat> he's not God the Father. God the Father is one person, and Jesus, his Son, is another person. But in all his actions, he's like the best of all fathers to us. He is... Uh, everlastingly a father to us um, you know one day we're told in Isaiah and it's quoted again in the letter to the Hebrews one day Jesus is going to stand and behind him there will be a company of people more than you can number billions of them they disappear into the distance you can't calculate how many there are the promise that God gave to Abram was that they would be like the sands on the seashore. And standing in front of them and speaking on behalf of all of them, he will look at his father and he will say to his father, Lo, here am I and the children you gave me. He's been like a father to all these children. Now, I can categorize that in this way. A father provides for his children. Jesus provides for us. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. He'll supply all your intellectual need, the answers to your questions. He'll supply all your physical need, uh, the food that you eat day by day you say give me this day my daily bread Jesus gives us daily bread your refrigerator has never been empty you're still getting over the wonderful food that you ate on Christmas day and the turkey is amazing you seem to have more turkey left after you've eaten than, than before you start 
God supplies all our needs so, so richly. But he supplies all our spiritual need. You know, our hearts are restless. And though your hobby is sport, although your hobby is music, although you're interested in cars and motorbikes and cycling, none of them speak to you and say, I really love you. I'm never going to be separate from you. I'm going to keep you. All our emotional and intellectual needs, he supplies more than any father. The best of all fathers, Jesus provides us. Jesus protects us. Today I left Chiswick at uh, nine o'clock and drove on the M4 and the M25 and found my way through the streets here from near the Dartford Tunnel here. He cared for me. I didn't crash. I didn't hurt anyone. He protects me. From every illness I've had over 80 years, he's healed me from every illness. He protects me. He's protected my children. He's protected all I love. Like a father protects. Jesus provides, Jesus protects, and then there's Jesus' pedagogy, his, his instruction, his teaching. It's so sensitive. It is so caring. He doesn't give us big blocks of impossible information with long words. He cares for us. He teaches us. He says, um, no gods but me. Um, right? don't, don't make an idol of, of anything. Uh, don't take my name in vain. Honor your father and mother. Remember the Sabbath day, first day of the week. You say, I don't worship my business or my family or my possessions. I worship God through Jesus Christ. Don't be violent. Don't commit sexual sin. Purity before marriage, faithfulness within it. Don't steal. Don't lie. Be content with what you've got. Don't covet that which your buddies have and you want it. The Ten Commandments that I've just rehearsed before you are part of the simplest teaching of our loving Father, Jesus Christ, his pedagogy. But more than just giving us teaching, he gives us love for his teaching and he gives us strength to keep his teaching and he gives us forgiveness when we fail to keep his teaching. What a mighty father he is. What a great father he is. And that's where happiness is found in, in this father. It's not in booze. It's not in relationships. It's not in entertainment. It's not in drugs. It's not in money. But having Jesus as your wonderful counselor, 
<clears throat> your mighty God, your everlasting Father. And finally, it's in having him <clears throat> as the Prince of Peace. <clears throat> he once said, <clears throat> Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. What do we do? We come to him. Coming to Jesus is what the Holy Spirit does in our hearts and minds, which causes us to respond by saying, here I am, here I am. I'm sorry I've been such a long time hesitating and keeping away from you. Here am I. I'm coming to you now. So we say that to him, and what is he? What's his response to us? I will give you rest. Imagine if uh, all of Belvedere came and just crammed and stopped the traffic listening and hearing to the loudspeakers. Jesus could say to everybody in Belvedere, I'll give you rest. What if all London came? They heard that Jesus Christ was in Belvedere and they came and they fell. They got off the train and private planes, scooters, horseback, anything to get here to meet with Jesus. Jesus says, I can cope. I can cope with them all. I can give you all rest. The teenager with his Difficulty in self-understanding who am I and what I should live for. The wife with her burdens, uh, knowing the pressure her husband is under, uh, seeing the children restless, and she goes to him and she finds he does all things well. She has rest. All through our lives, again and again, the Prince of Peace is our psychiatrist our psychologist, our great physician, our counselor, our mighty God, our friend. What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and sorrow share. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. What peace we often forfeit. What needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to him in prayer. Here is somebody. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And we don't go to him. It's the devil that's keeping us away. But one greater than the devil is here. And he can help you this morning. He can draw you this morning. He can bring you to the one... God's Son given to us. God's Son present with us. And you can begin a new life then. Um, walking with him. Putting your hand in his. Never letting go. He'll keep you. He'll keep you till the end. And then safely bring you home. What a hope the Christian does have. His peace. The peace that he gives it passes all understanding. So I can't explain it to you because I haven't got uh, a thousand tongues to do so. But I can tell you of the reality of it. 
and the wonderful strength and comfort that Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, has been to me. I commend to you all my Saviour. Amen. Amen. Lord, bless your word to us today. Make Jesus alive and real and welcoming to everyone so that their faith, though it's just to them like an atom, that they may place that atom in the wounded side of Jesus and see it fertilizing and growing and enriching them in this world and the world to come. Please, in your mercy, receive us all today and make us not just Christians in word, but in deed and in truth. We ask for his glory's sake. Amen. Amen.